everyone, welcome along to the pre-game section of the Craggy Island Podcast. And yes, the more astute amongst you will notice, this isn't William, and it's certainly not Alan. It's myself, Dave, and I'm joined here by, by Nile. Um, Paki, some interesting selections from Kieran Keane for this game. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting to know um, how Dominic Robinson, McCoy and James Connolly are going to get on, especially. Uh, I like to look at the back row. We have a strong second row in there. Maybe that's uh, just had a bit of ballast. Um, it's windy here. The rain, thankfully, seems to have stayed away it will surely come before the end of the game but I'm looking forward to a good one hopefully five points for Connacht because I think that's the minimum really we need I think it is the minimum we need they're not as strong they lost Ben Tio after two minutes last weekend got John O'Lance out in his first game at out half for them uh, what, what have you made of worst of the season they seem to haven't been going well in fact they've made Connacht season look almost uh, almost well good well, yeah, no, exactly. Um, it'll be interesting to see how John Lance spoke to this today. He's a, he, I think he's, a, he's an excellent player, but uh, the wind here, uh, it does it does weird things to lots of out so uh, let's see how it goes. Worcester won the toss. We don't know yet if they're going to be playing with or without the wind in the first half, and we'll touch you on 20 minutes. Coming up in about 20 minutes gone here at the sports ground, it's Connacht 5, Worcester 0. Uh, the try was the highlight of the half, and it's been a... No, a particularly good game. It's scrappy, a lot of stoppages now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Worcester re- are holding on to the ball an awful lot. We're struggling to get our hands out. When we are, we cut them open. Indeed, it looks like Worcester are struggling to get out of the 22 and their half. In this first half, we'll probably struggle the same because the wind is going to not get any lighter. It may even get worse as time goes on. We'll talk to you at halftime. So it's halftime here at the sports ground. It's Connacht 8. Watch the Warriors nil and the second half of that first half it was really disappointing because there was there were chances for Connacht to maybe extend the score but just the ball protection and the handling skills just weren't there now no we got, we're not we're not accurate enough for the, our rook our, the, it's taken three four five seconds to come out of rook and that just played into Worcester's hands uh, we're not fluid either um, Pity on Griffin went off but uh, Craig has got understanding with Bundy um, you know I went at the beginning with uh, we need to get 5-0 we need to get 4-0 now but this is the, basically that's, all, that's the win of the game it's hard to know whether 8 uh, eight points is enough that wind is really strong I know, I'm not sure if it looks like it's picking up or not but the next 40 are going to be tasty indeed they're going to be tasty it could have been worse though they must have got down to a line and they knocked the ball on over over our line, so it could have been a lot worse. I don't understand though. We didn't use the wind when we have it, you know. Um, I, I can see them. Did. Lance is a good kicker, and you know he could, he could be pinging the corners all all day. Um, so I don't know. It's frustrating, but we'll see. We will. We'll talk to you again 20 minutes into the second half. Coming up on 20 minutes here in the second half at the sports ground. It's now Connick 15, Worcester 5. It's been a, not how I expected the second half to go on Nile. Uh, Connick had a lot of the ball and uh, a superb try from Matt Healy. Great finish. Yeah, Connick played in the second half. Worcester should have played in the first half. Um, but uh, Lucky, uh, Lucky was touched on the way from kick by Jack and uh, bounced up nicely from Matt. Uh, very good because we let in uh, quite a soft try. Turned over the ball quite cheaply with uh, Dave Heffernan. Um, I think we're a good value for the 10 points. Uh, I don't think there's enough time to get two more ties, but you never know. I doubt there is. I have to say, I don't think Worcester have kicked particularly well with the win in the second half. We'll talk to you at full time. So it's full time here at the sports ground, and Connacht have won 15 5. Um, we made it difficult for ourselves, but we take four points. We've now taken nine from 10, and we go off to a tasty double header against three for Ross when beaten. Yep. And we'll talk to you again in a few minutes.
It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast, the Worcester edition. We're here in the clan stand after the match. I've got Packy, I've got Dave, and I've got William, who's knackered after his big stint doing the doing the commentary with Joe. Um, and Connacht have won 15 points to eight. Packy, are you happy with that? Because I know Kieran Kane wasn't, and we'll hear from him in a little while. Uh, yeah, I was. Well. I wasn't that happy with it. Um, just getting them getting a losing bonus was um, actually. Do you know what? I don't think it'll make that much difference in the finish up. But um, if the weather was decent here, I think we'd have been five nil, and that's that's what we needed. We'd have got five match points. But I can see, I can see why he's was off. I didn't hear what he said, but for me, we didn't use we didn't use the um, we didn't use the wind in the first half at all. We were we played quite well against it. Um, worrying a couple of injuries, but I wouldn't be that happy. But I'm not. I'm not that worried about the result either. To be honest, Dave. Yeah, I agree with many with Packy. I mean, you, you come up here and you see the weather. And the last time we played in conditions like the last time we played in conditions like this was Glasgow, and we made an absolute hames of, of of using the wind and half time as well. You thought eight points oh, is that enough? It certainly didn't feel to be an eight point an eight point wins. Um, but I thought we played decent rugby in the in the, um, in the second half, and we, 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 we seemed to play better and more structured rugby in the second half. And we certainly adapted the conditions as the home team than, than the visitors. Uh, Kieran, not happy. He thought the standard had dropped. And that's saying something. I mean, even that performance where you win by seven points, it's four points in the European competition. If the, if the coach is not happy with the standard of the performance, that's a good sign. It means that certain things, their levels have to be maintained everywhere. And just winning is no longer enough. You have to win well and I'm happy with that uh, four points nine out of ten yes damn decent start certainly is William now that you've had a chance to cool down and calm down after a quite a difficult match to commentate and so so many stops and starts but uh, what are your thoughts now yeah I think I I was a I suppose I'm slightly taken aback. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Kieran in a minute. He sets very high standards all coaches do but he he doesn't he doesn't hide it he was pretty frustrated with that i think i think he was frustrated that he felt they they went back to doing the wrong things so let's hear from him now here in another win in europe and uh, a good performance in difficult circumstances difficult conditions out there uh, i wouldn't call it a good performance uh, we had a good win you know i was pretty happy about the fact that we won probably would have been tragic had we had lost it but I thought it was a slip back to be honest back to old habits oh any any reason that you can identify for that or will that take a bit of analysis you know it's always better to be circumspect and take a deep breath but um, yeah I've, I've got some opinions about it but I, I was a bit disappointed about our level uh, today I thought we were a bit average compared to what we've been in the last couple of weeks you know we've made a made a step up uh, we made some changes and that was largely to to freshen our squad and create the competition that we want to have within the squad and people got given opportunities and people are getting opportunities um, but not everybody's taken them and when that situation arises uh do you have to? Did you have to make any specific changes to the way you wanted them to play in the second half into the wind, or 
did you want a different level? Uh, because they, they seem to play, I, I thought they played fairly well in the second half. In, they used the conditions better than Worcester did. Yeah, we tried to lift the tempo. That was that was the ambition that we were trying to play with, uh, to lift, lift the tempo because we didn't think they'd live with us uh, in terms of the fitness levels. And they're a much bigger, heavier pack than us and um, shifting them around was always the plan. So... Um, I just think that we lacked a little bit uh, of composure and a little bit of uh, our skill set wasn't great. In the, it was a, you know, it was a pretty tough day and weather-wise. So um, yeah, I'm not making excuses, but I thought I thought we would have been better. And you'll hope that they'll they'll kick on for next week after when you when you've done the analysis for that and. Are, the, are these situations all fixable, these these things that you're seeing? Um, to be honest, um, I really hope so because, you know, we've got, we've got some big derbies uh, coming up now and um, you know, Munster and uh, the Cheetahs are two quality sides and um, uh, we'll get puzzled if we play like that. And Europe now put on the back burner until... Uh December, does it provide an, a sort of an interlude in the season to have two games like this in a different competition and can you turn that to your advantage? I mean the boys are in a pretty good space downstairs you know to come away with their two wins and, and you know I applaud that for them um, it would have been horrendous had we have dropped uh, either of those two games so yeah there's light at the end of the tunnel That was Kieran Kane, and the player we had to talk to was Keelan Blade, who had a who had a good game. Let's hear from Keelan now. Can what sort of game was that to play in in, in the conditions? How challenging were they? Uh, very challenging. Um, they were a typical English side. They were they were big and physical. Um, I think we I think we dominated the first half. I suppose coming in eight nil at. Uh, Half time, we were probably a small bit disappointed. I think we we dominated the first half. We had most of the ball and just little errors. I think let us down, but it was a it was it was a good game to play in, but definitely physical. It seemed to me maybe that you'd have been looking for more points at half time. Was that a concern with playing playing with the wind? Um, I wouldn't say it was a concern. We, we were a small bit disappointed that we were we were only eight points up, but um, look, we're well used to playing in the sports ground with a win like that, so we're we're just as. Um, able to play into it as we are uh, with it so we weren't we didn't panic at half time we just knew stick to stick to us and, and we'd get the win talking about their physicality is that something that would be they would be would they be more physical than a pro 14 sort of side or uh... um i wouldn't say they'd be more physical but uh, i think their, their game plan is more direct um i think they they try to just get over get over the game line and and, and bully us a bit but uh, i think uh, definitely our forwards stepped up to the plate and, and defended it very well and in the second half, you were uh, obviously playing into the wind. Did you have to change anything specific? Because you seemed actually, you seemed, it seemed more in control actually going that way. Were there specific changes made at half time or were you already geared up for it? Uh, no, no, no changes whatsoever. We, can't, we stayed to our game plan. Um, it's funny, uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's actually easier playing to the wind because I think sometimes when, when um, opposition come to the sports ground, they, they try kick a lot when they're with the wind and we had all the possession, so we just stick to our game plan, get over the game line and, and we knew well that we'd just hold on to the ball and we'd win. Owen Masterson picking the ball up at number eight nearly every time in, in the scrum, was that a, a definite policy to just to get a bit of space and a bit of width on the ball? Um, yeah, it was just a small bit of a analysis we, we've done. Uh, it was just to manipulate a, a bit of space for us. Um, so it was, just, it, was, it was a tactic that we used, yeah. 
and at the breakdown area it was it was fairly fierce and competitive but uh, Connacht forward stood up to that and, and they gave you some good opportunities for a few little sniping runs. Yeah definitely, um, it was something that we looked at as well um, but uh, I, I still think there's, there's definitely improvement from in that area. Um, I think coming to next week against Munster in the Pro 14 I think that needs to step up another good bit to get a result. Kevin, in terms of the last two weeks, how important are they in terms of confidence and game plan and, and the ideas that Kieran wants to bring into the team? When you look at a game like Munster, how important have these two games been in, build, in building that confidence and getting used to exactly how Kieran wants the game to go? Yeah, it's massive. Um, I think two weeks ago when, when we kind of parked the Pro 14 for, for two weeks, it was definitely a, a good thing. Um, we knew well that there were two big games and we weren't looking forward to the Pro 14, but we knew well that there'd be mo definitely get momentum if we got two wins. Um, we got that, so I think our game plan is coming on a lot. There's still mistakes there, but we're winning. So I think just build that confidence into, into next Friday, into the Pro 14, and it'll, it'll stand to us. Over the last what, two or three years, I think Munster have struggled when they've come here and, and we've got up for it. It's an Inter-Pro. I don't think anyone needs to say how big, big of a game it is, but... Um, I think the last two weeks it definitely it'll give us a lot of momentum and confidence. I think confidence is, is one thing. I think our game plan and our, our structures are, are getting better um, and I think we can bring serious confidence to next week. Okay, that was Caelan Blade. Uh, we're going to wrap up the match now, William. Where does that leave us in the table? Well, it's nine points out of ten, so it's, it's a good start. They're at the top of the table. It's what they expect it to be. Uh, Worcester have six points, Breve have five points, and Oyenya have no points. Null point. And I suspect uh, their interest in the competition is gone. Everybody else is sort of slightly around it. I I'm not sure where Worcester are. I think it's parked now till December. If they've lost another two or three or four um, games, Worcester might be very disinterested. But they have a home and away to Oinya in uh, December. Oinya could do us a big favour by managing to win one of those games, particularly the game in France. We've got Breve home and away. French sides at home will always put up a bit of an effort. You're never quite sure when they're coming here. But it, it's parked now. It's back to Pro 14 for next week. It is. So before we talk about that game, the Munster game, Packy, who, who impressed you for Connacht today? Owen McKeown impressed me. Um, He's he's uh, he's doing well after he's had a bit of an injury layoff there. You know, he, he never really got proper run of things I think for a while. But um, his footwork is great. He's making serious ground in traffic. Intelligent running. He's not trying to burst through people. Um, Jared Butler is continuing to just uh, he's set a really high standard and he's keeping it going um, a lot. Outside of that, um, uh, give me give me give me two Worcester lads then, or you know, equivalent from from Worcester. Well. I, I'm a big fan of John Lance, uh, and I think this was his first game for them. I didn't actually know he'd signed for them. Uh, no. His first, first start, he came off the bench last week. Did he? Okay, okay. I think, I think he's a fine player. I don't know what he's going to do for them in the league. I suspect they're going to go down. It looks that way. It'd be sad to see. And um, the David Denton was, uh, was, was his usual self. Um, for a man that had a bit of an injury layoff, he puts... Uh, he, he, he goes through serious punishment in the game. He was very good. He was everywhere. Uh, he tackled hard. I love to see the stats for him, actually. He tackled really hard. Uh, made great hits. Yeah. Uh, be looking forward to seeing these guys in uh, January as well. Yeah. And, and for you, Dave, who's who on the Connacht side, give me, just give me one. You don't have to go through a load. Just give me one who stood out for you today. I thought my idea had a very good game, considering it was the conditions. Um, 
obviously took his try well, which is what you do. And I think he's, I think he's overcome. There was an issue with his hand last year that did seem to affect his confidence, and that that's gone. So the hand is right, Matt is right. He's scoring regularly, and that's all you want. You want your wingers to be able to score regularly. Uh, he used the ball very, very intelligent second half, and he did a couple of kicks down the line to relieve pressure. And, and I mean, into the, and there were good kicks into this wind. I thought I thought he did well. I for Worcester, I was I thought Johnny R was very good controlling their game. I think he was on. I think they kind of lost something. He had to go off for ten minutes for HIA. So I think he was a little bit less. Um, I think I think they went a little bit out of it, and I definitely think they they could have done with him at the end. I thought Lance had a a mixed game. I thought his kicking. I thought his kicking was at times a bit peculiar. He chipped a couple of balls through, which gifted us gifted us ball back, especially in the second half. But I mean. I don't think he's played in conditions like this before, so we'll let him off that one. It'd be sad to see Worcester go. I mean, they're from the heartland of, uh, of West Country rugby. There need to be more West Country clubs. It can't just be Bath and Brist, uh, Bath all the time. So, be sad. I mean, and their fans were raucous. They were, they were, they, and they joined in, and they were, they were gas crack. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, they're a team I'd like to see more of. And, you know, I think we're all going to go over to the Worcester game, if we can. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. And, and of course, Gloucester and West Country too. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Gloucester. Gloucester, Gloucester. <laughs> this shit, this shit had eaten your life. Yeah, yeah. William. Uh, I thought Owen Masterton had a good game for Connacht as captain. A couple of times he was very quickly up to chat to the referee, Mr Davis, who's a slightly sticky character, I think, sometimes. Uh, so he got in and did, did did a captaincy role, particularly in the first half. He had to dive on a few loose loose balls that were around there. I thought he did well. Uh, and uh, James Cannon keeps impressing me, particularly in the line-out. He's not the fastest guy around the pitch, but he seems to get to the right place at yeah. the right time, which is a great skill. Um, Chris Pennell for Worcester at fullback came into the game in the second half. Didn't do an awful lot in the first, but I thought he was quite impressive. And uh, Wynard Olafia as well had a, had a decent enough game. But they played very much in fits and starts. Uh, and it wasn't a particularly good performance all round. And it was a, it was a messy old game. Look, the, the weather issue here, I think Kieran. Kane, what we heard in that interview where he's he can't understand why Connacht are struggling in this because this is our home ground and it does this now it doesn't usually do this quite as I mean we've had it for Glasgow we've had it for Cardiff now we've had it um, but they're going to have to overcome that it's a home ground they're going to have to find a way to play they, they just don't seem to be completely happy in it um, and it's just the sports ground talking about the weather looking at the forecast for Friday night when we play Munster it's actually going to be 13 or 14 degrees with a two mile an hour wind at the moment so we might get the sort of place that, that Kieran is happy that the players are going to be able to play the type of rugby they've been playing the last couple of weeks so it's going to be a huge game Munster are playing now I don't know I don't know how their score I'll, I'll have a look now when, when you guys talk about the Munster game what do you, what do you expect then Dave? Well, I'm expecting a local derby. I mean, it can either. Be, it, it, I mean, people build these games up in hype, and they don't often f- uh, fulfil it. I think I didn't see the Leinster Munster game, and I know that that game seems to be a lot of negativity about about the performances from Munster. We saw how spiky Peter O'Mahony was after that game, and I, I don't think Reggie did anything uh, too, too terrible to him. Um, they'll come up here; they'll be fired up. We don't know how they've done today, so it's currently nil nil after 36 minutes. That sounds like a thrilling match to watch. Um, I, th- I think they're going to come up, but they're going to be fired up. But I mean, there's nothing to fear from us. We know we can beat them here. And I mean, yeah, they're going well, but their their injuries are starting to build up. I mean, Blaondal is gone today. Now Scannell is gone. Um, I think Tauta been gone for the for the length that he's out. It won't do them any favors. But they're monster. They'll find they find interesting ways to win games. And 
you know, it'll, it'll be tough, it'll be uncompromising, it'll be a typical local derby, there won't be much in it. It won't be like two years ago when we, when we trampled all over them in the second half and run up easy winners. I think it's going to be tight, it's tough, but I think they're, comp- they're beatable and their injuries are going to affect them. I think so too. Packy, what are your feelings about next Friday night? Depends on the squads that both teams are allowed to bring and who's in the Irish squads. That's, it'll be a bit major effect on it. Um, but yeah, they're, they're beatable. Um, they're kind of flying high. We're just not we're not fluid enough yet, um, and that's uh, it's a bit of worry for me. But uh, yeah, Munster are beatable. Uh, yeah, because I think the only decent night, de- decent weather we've had all in the four home games we've had was against the Cheetahs, and we played some half decent rugby that night. So with a bit of luck, we're going to get some better weather, um, you know, for a Friday night. William, yeah, you'd like to think so. I think um, I think Munster are beatable. I, I it's. Uh, it's a very important game for Connacht. Yeah. It's a hugely important game. Um, they played 21 games in the Pro 14 in the season. It's nearly a third of them are derby games. We play six of these derby games. They're all, and if you're going to be seriously challenging, you've got to start winning. You know, the best we've ever managed was three when we won the uh, Pro 12, as it was then. So it's absolutely vital, I think, that they, they, they get a, a win. I think they really have to win next Friday. I think it's, it's, it's potentially, it would be, the performance is very important, but you've got to get over the line in these type of games. And I think they, they, they need that, that kick. I think you can beat Munster, if, even if you're not playing particularly fluid rugby, but you, what you've got to do is you've got to concentrate and you've got to have to work incredibly hard. Uh, it, 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 it might be a game with very little subtlety in it. Yeah, well, hopefully the, the good weather will allow us to play the game quite quite uh, wide because the Munster do seem to struggle against teams who throw the ball around and, and tend to get outside them. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. We're going to talk about the, the new signing we got during the week. And Packy knows a bit about him. Yeah, um, watched him a fair bit, actually. With the, he, was, he didn't have a great season this season with um, the Hurricanes. Uh, he's done, he did well with the Auckland Blues and uh, I think he's just never, he's never kicked on. You see, he's... Beaten, uh, he's beaten more players than anybody else in the Wakato team in the MPC, and um, if nothing else, maybe his uh, his fiance might like to play with the Connacht women's team. She's an Indeed. exceptional player. Yeah, and, and and to keep you out of your suspense, we'll we'll give the name. His name was Pitu Pitu Pita Aki Aki Pita Aki. He's uh, very difficult for any Connacht fan to remember, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they'll get it. No, he's a he's a line breaker. He's a he's a he's a game breaker. Great stepping him, can make massive hits, but can also can also slide off tackles. He tends to miss a few now and again. Um, I think I'm excited. I'm really excited about it. Um, I think he's from what I hear, he's going to be here as soon as paperwork is uh, is submitted. But there might be something. I see his uh, fiance said they might. He's going back. They're going back in December at Christmas to get married. So. Uh, they might be postponing their honeymoon for a while though but this is them's the break they could honeymoon in the glory of Galway with the rain hammering down on the clan stand <laughs> that's it yeah that's it no I, I'm, I'm really I'm really excited by this by this signing uh, to me it's a uh, on paper anyway even though I watched a good bit of Vasateri um, I think this is a much better signing there's a lot more to this guy um, and I'm I'm really enthused by it and it's we'll have two really really strong runners that we well that we can have in the centre there so um, it should be a big help to our 10 and both our wings it certainly should now the other the other thing we want to talk about and I think Dave wants to talk about this one is um, the Irish women's team not being treated particularly well by the, the IRFU I'll, 
I'll leave it all to you, Dave. Yeah, this is something you really want to talk about. Um, so if anybody hasn't seen, the, the ad went up on the IRFU site and it basically said that they were looking for a part-time casual, um, which is all automatically just put said your blood boiling because the words part-time and casual should never be used in any job ad. Um, on a six-month contract coach for the women's 15s team. And you're there thinking, six months, so let's see, let's see you advertising now. So you're going to have the person in place by January, so they're gone by June. And you're thinking, wow, we really are just looking at the Six Nations here. Um, there's no long-term strategy behind it. They've subsequently come out and said, well, actually, that wasn't meant to be disrespectful. You're thinking, well, I don't care if it was meant to be. It was. Um, it was they, 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 what they tried to say was that Tom Tierney had not been a full-time 15s coach for the national team, that he'd also been 7s coach, which is very weird because Tom Tierney's name never appeared on anything that they sent out regarding the 7s regarding the sevens team, it's all been Anthony Eddy. Anthony Eddy is in charge of the sevens, Tom Tierney was in charge of the fifteens. Tom Tierney was on a three-year contract, there is no long-term planning. The mistakes that were made in the run-up to the last World Cup, which we hosted, should have been rectified. There needs to be long-term planning. We've got a team that is also losing players because they're getting old. So there needed to be a long-term plan in place. This is incredibly short-term, incredibly short-sighted. It is two fingers to the women's fifteens game, and you're just getting the attitude that the women's fifteens game in this country uh, rather than being bolstered by the World Cup, has highlighted all the fundamental problems within it. And it needed root and branch reform from top to bottom, uh, looking at developing more players. There are more players playing rugby, but the fact is that we're, we're overly reliant on players coming from other sports and converting to rugby. Now, sometimes you get it right with Lindsay Pete, but other times you're going to get it wrong. There's no development, through, there's no structure of, of, of women's rugby in this country at underage level for the national team. Connacht of an under-18s team, all the promises of an under-18s team, they had a really good inter-pro uh, inter season there in the last few weeks. But there is no national under-18s team. There's no national under-20s team. Sophie Spence, after the World Cup, said, we need an underage team. Ma uh, uh, Ruth O'Reilly has, has said that as well. And to, to, to advertise for... If you're... If th that needs to come in place. There needs to be development through an international level of these players. We've seen what can happen when England does it. But to have... The attitude is totally wrong. The attitude in Ireland at the moment seems to be sevens is the be-all and end-all for this team because there's Olympic medals in it. Well, that's fine and dandy, but there's World Cup medals in the 15s. It's done wonders for the game in England. It's done wonders for the game in New Zealand. It's done wonders for, you know, we're seeing the benefits. Sevens can feed into 15s, not the other way around. That's how the mentality should be. And to advertise for six months is incredible short-termism. Who's going to take the coat? Also, that ad, part-time, casual, six months. Who's going to be interested in that? Because you're going to be out of a job. It's not a full-time job, and you'll be gone by June. It's disrespectful to, to coaches. It's disrespectful to players. And it's disrespectful to the game of rugby. And the RFU are just making a complete balls of this every time they open their mouths. Okay, and we're into the final section of the podcast, and we've got some AOB. Packy, you had AOB, and you're not quite sure? I had AOB on Wednesday when I rang William, and it really annoyed me and really vexed me. And for the life of me, I cannot remember what it is. <laughs> I'm sure it'll pop back into your head by the time we finish this conversation. William? Yeah, just uh, two very interesting articles by Neil Francis, a man who uh, uh, some people like, some people don't. Um, in recent weeks, one very good one about Willie Duggan. I'd urge people to go and have a read of it. But he had an interesting little piece during the week uh, just talking about the current state of rugby, which a lot of people are obviously talking about. But he was talking about the fact about what he feels is organised cheating. Uh, in games where teams are now making decisions they're prepared to lose a player to a yellow card he feels that it's got worse in the game 
of course people have been trying to take advantage of referees since somebody first picked up a ball and ran with it in 18, whenever it was, 29 or something at rugby school. But it is... Uh, I think he's right, and I think it's someone that is... I think his concern is that it's drifting down into all levels of the game. The players, people are seeing this and they're thinking it's the way to play. And referees only have a pair of eyes and the assistants and they miss things and everybody gets annoyed at them. But rugby just needs to be very aware of that. And uh, I thought it was an interesting piece. A um, little bit of a rant, but I think he was making a point for just a bit of a pull-up. It'd be interesting to talk to a high-level referee, uh, somebody who's refereed for a long time I'll be trying to arrange that at some stage this season for the podcast just to see do they think it's getting worse indeed because the ethos of the game is so important you know it's it's a tough physical game with an awful lot of legalised way of hitting fellas and we don't need to be bringing in the illegal ways it's a good enough game without it and uh, winning shouldn't be everything it should be most things but not everything Dave do you have anything for us yeah I'm going to spark a lot of controversy with this I think I think our European shirt is dire there's nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with our home kit. Our home kit is simple, straightforward. It is green. It is green. It is a beauty. It is beautiful in simplicity. And the away kit is... Um, we, I, I don't like teams that wear white as away kit as a default setting. It's something they picked up from American sport. Um, but I think our, I just... I just, it just offends me on an aesthetic level. It is lime green and royal blue, and I just don't think that works. I think we could have, the, 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 the simplicity and beauty of the green would have worked perfectly. You could have gone all blue, but of course you can't do that because that's, that's Leinster. Oh, by the way, still, our, our, home, our bad kit's nothing compared to the checker blower thing they wore this, this, this afternoon, which is an abomination in all senses and really does not do, does not do wonders for the chunkier props of the world. But um, no, I just, find our, I just find this European kit just... I don't like it. I'm going to be frank with you. There's nothing wrong with our home kit. Our home kit, green, beautiful, simple. The way the European kit, it's lime green and blue, lads. You just can't. You can't. You can't do that. Blue and green should never be seen. <laughs> Packy, you're you were going to say something. I was going to say it's not remotely controversial, Dave. It's, no, it's <laughs> awful. It's awful, 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 and I just struggle to how these people get involved. In designing things like this, I, I, I just I can't. It's not something I can grasp. I just can't get my head around it. Okay, what we'll do is we'll ask people who are listening to the podcast to to tweet us as at Craggy Rugby or at Craggy Pod, Craggy Rugby. Sorry. <laughs> okay, we'll ask people <laughs> listening to this podcast to tweet us at at Craggy. No. <laughs> at Craggy Rugby Pod. <laughs> I'll try that one more time. Okay. So we'll ask people who are listening to the podcast if they want to get in touch and let us know their feelings. They can tweet us at Craggy, Craggy Rugby Pod. Got it wrong again, but I'm going with it this time. Um, to you know, give us their thoughts and, and is this a controversial statement on our European jersey? Uh, it doesn't get my vote either. Um, and of course, I'm going to go with my. You know, we've been away for four weeks. We've had a, the wall knocked down here in front of the stand and had a safety fence put up, looking very nice, painted green. Well sorted, advertising hoardings up on there as well, looks really, really good. But the goalposts still are not painted. I, uh, seriously, I am really offering my services. I will do it in a gale force wind. I will paint the bloody goalposts because they look horrendous. Do we do? The rest of the sports ground from the rugby point of view look pretty good. But when the people are in, especially, as Pat would say, when the people are in, it's a completely different thing. But just want those posts painted. Okay, we'll leave it there, guys. Cheers. <laughs>